0: Our second scripture is Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a 10th of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, "'God, be merciful to me, a sinner.' I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted." We celebrate the written word, Scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks, Thanks be to
1: God.
2: Please pray with me. Holy God, quiet our hearts and our thoughts that we might be fully present to you and each other and that. In the hearing of your word, we might become your word of love to bless the world. Amen. When I was serving as chaplain at San Francisco Theological Seminary, one of the joys of my work was that each year I got to work with four student chaplain assistants, planning and creating our life of daily worship. They came from diverse backgrounds, each with their distinct personality and gifts, and over the course of the year, we came together, we'd create together, we'd try some new things in worship, even as we sustained the deep traditions of our faith. Toward the end of each year, I'd interview for the next group of chaplains assistants, next year's team. I remember that at the end of one of those interviews, I asked the student who was interviewing, it was um, Uh, It was me and our church musicians and the student. His name was Asepha. I asked if there was anything else that he wanted us to know about him. He got very quiet
3: and replied, Yes. I want you to know that
2: I'm very, very funny. (laughs) I think I laughed. But he didn't. He said, "No, I'm serious. I am hilarious." And then he explained. You see, you see, Assefa, Assefa Wakjira was from Ethiopia. He'd gone to the university to university in Norway, and he was now in seminary in California. So Assefa knew a thing or two about living cross-culturally in translating culture to culture. He explained his experience that humor, humor doesn't always translate across cultures. What's funny in one culture may not be funny at first in another, or or not obviously so. And over the year that followed, I learned that Assefa was indeed hilarious I also learned that he is a courageous justice activist as he invited us to stand with the persecuted Oromo people of Ethiopia. I learned that he was an insightful and caring pastor and very,
1: very funny. This morning's parable is funny. Across
2: cultures, across the centuries, across languages, this morning's parable was funny then, it's funny now. I mean, you've got this guy, this Pharisee, he comes to the temple, he walks up front, he stands alone away from all the riffraff and he prays, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you that I'm not like everybody else. Thank you that I'm not like the thieves or the evildoers. Thank you that I'm not like, well, not like that guy over there. Thank you. Thank you for making me, well, better. Thank you for making me good.
1: Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. It
2: reminds me of the line from the Bruno Mars song, I gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty. (laughs) Over the past three years, you have probably heard me say, there is no one right way to pray, but if there was a right way to pray, that wasn't it. And we get it, it's so over the top that we can't help but notice that something's amiss. It's so much easier, I think, to identify with the tax collector. The Pharisee points him out, thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, we know about those tax collectors. Tax collectors are the henchmen of empire. They're local independent contractors hired by the Roman Empire to collect oppressive taxes. And then, on top of those taxes, they collect, they add in, and collect their own fee. They stand with the man with their foot on the necks of the people. But here, the tax collector is off to the side, praying for God's mercy. Now maybe, when Jesus first told this story, there was some nervous laughter about seeing the powerful humbled. But it's mostly poignant. Maybe this tax collector sees the part he plays in unjust systems and he prays for mercy. Now we don't know that he changes. The story doesn't say that he quits being a tax collector, only that he asks for God's mercy and with that goes home a little closer to God, still living in the complexity of his world. In our day, as we learn about systemic racism and as I learn about my complicity in systems that oppress, I get it. I think it's easier to identify with the tax collector. I hope I'm more like the tax collector than the Pharisee, thank goodness. Oh, did you see what happened there? (laughs) Thank God I'm more like the tax collector. Thank God I'm not like that Pharisee, or maybe I am. As soon as we start to critique the Pharisee, there we are standing in his shoes. With its humor and its poignancy, this parable draws us in. The parable offers us what first are basically caricatures, the Pharisee and the tax collector. In the Gospel of Luke, we know what Pharisees do, and we know what tax collectors do. We know what to expect, but the parable draws us in, stirs things up, and by the end, they become a bit more human. Maybe we even see a little bit of them in a little bit of us. But what does it all mean? What does the story tell us about how we should pray or how we might live? Parables invite us to look at things from a different angle. So I want to invite us to read this story backwards. To walk back through it, starting at the end and then working our way back to the beginning. If we start at the end, we begin with this statement. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those humbled... Will be
3: exalted.
2: Does that sound familiar? It's all over the Gospel of Luke. We've talked about it this year again and again. It's the song that Mary sings God is lifting up those held low and bringing down the mighty from their thrones. It's what Jesus says at the start of his ministry I come to bring good news to the poor. Release for every captive. It's what Jesus says at the Last Supper. Those who lead must be like those who serve, and I am among you as one who serves. It's what Jesus is doing throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is turning the world right side up. The humble are being raised up. The powers are being brought down. The reign of God is here. The kingdom of God, resurrection, new creation, the chance to live a new humanity. It's what Jesus is all about, and it's what this story is about. This story about prayer, those held low, are being lifted up. If we begin at the end of this story, we begin with what God is doing in the world. And we walk back into the story. And this time, the first person we meet is the tax collector. Off to the side, beating his breast, God have mercy on me. The tax collector's prayer is putting him into the stream of what God is doing in the world. Whatever part of him that was exalted, his power over other people, it's been humbled. Here he is as broken as any of us saying it out loud before God and everybody, and he's come to this place to pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And the story says he will go home closer
3: to God. In his prayer, those exalted are humbled, and the humbled
2: lifted up. We can stand here with this tax collector and look back at the pharisee and i want to say that we should give them both a little credit they are they are both showing up to pray they're both showing up with the intention of somehow connecting with god but they pray different prayers what does the tax collector see that the pharisee doesn't he sees his need for god Standing in the midst of what God is doing in the world, he sees his need for God. God, in my brokenness, in all my troubles, have mercy on me. Help me. He begins with his need for God. We try and do something like that here in worship. I don't know if you've noticed, but our prayer of confession is phrased a little differently here. You can look on your bulletin and see that. We call it confessing our need for God. Our Presbyterian tradition loves a good prayer of confession. As I used to say at the seminary, we begin worship by saying true things about us so that we can lean into true things about God. We confess our need for God so that we can open ourselves to, the, to experience all the ways that God meets our need, all the ways that God's grace abounds. Traditional prayers of confession focus on sin and forgiveness. My friend Hampton Deck, pastor in Vallejo, says that both our need for God and God's grace are so much broader than that. Sometimes we do confess our need for forgiveness and we lean into that. But sometimes our need is that we're hurting and we need God's healing touch. Sometimes the need is oppression and God's grace shows up with liberation and freedom. Sometimes we're alone. We feel like we're in exile and God comes and sits with us and walks us back home. We we try to pray our need for God so that with open and honest hearts, we might name and experience all the ways, all the ways that God's love and grace are already here and always on the way. In our Thursday afternoon prayer and connection group, from time to time, we've been trying out a way of praying that opens up a chance to name a need and then trust God for that need. I thought we might try it out here, and before we do, here's the basic flow. We settle in, we thank God for the day, and then we allow a prayer to come to mind. Sometimes I hold somebody in prayer, I actually do my hands like this. We allow a prayer to come to mind a need a person or a situation that rises up for us in prayer. And then the invitation is to envision that person or that situation surrounded by God's love. Envision that person or situation being made whole, whatever that looks like, being made whole in God's love. To pray in whatever words may come that God's loving will be accomplished in that person or that situation and then when we're ready
3: to release that person or situation
1: to God's care to trust God to meet our need and then we begin
2: again we allow another need to come to mind and we go through um, through that rhythm so let's give that a try Um, I invite you to settle in wherever you are. If you're at home, settle in there in your pew. Get comfortable. Let's just begin by thanking God. Thank you, God, for this day, for the chance to be together. And I invite you, as you do, as you might think about over your life, over the week, about what's going on with you, to bring a prayer to mind, a need that you see in the world. It could be a person or a situation. Just take a second And bring, you know, five may come to mind. Just pick one.
1: Pick one to bring to God in prayer.
2: I invite you to envision that person or that situation surrounded and filled with God's love.
1: Envision
3: that person or situation being made whole
1: in God's love. With whatever words come
2: to mind that come to your heart, ask that this person or this situation... That within them, with
1: them, God's will and God's love be fulfilled. And then when you're ready, the invitation is to release that person or that situation to God's care. Thank you, God, for loving us in Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: As we walk back through the parable, we eventually come to the beginning. And we remember that Jesus told this story to someone who trusted in themselves and held others in contempt. And we remember the Pharisee. He doesn't ask God for anything. He really doesn't thank God for anything but himself. He is showing up. But he's standing in this worldview that is convinced that we can do this, that we can do this, this life all on our own. And if that's true, that inevitably puts us, it puts him in competition with each other, with comparison and contempt. Some are exalted and some pushed down and held low. It's the way of the world, and we know that world.
1: This parable points us to a different world the new creation. What we
2: find here in this story is an invitation to name our need for God and to begin our prayer there. To draw near to God and to discover a God of mercy who has already drawn near to us. And also also remember that parable from last week, the persistent widow and the indifferent judge. We discover a God of mercy and of justice. Pray and never give up. There is no one right way to pray. There are an Infinite number of ways to pray. They all begin with showing up. They grow richer and deeper as we come to understand that we need God and we need each other. As we open ourselves to this new creation all around us, within us, as we draw near to and experience this God of mercy and of justice. In Christ, there is a new creation. God is bringing down the powers that harm and oppress. God is lifting up those who have been humbled. What God is doing in the world, God is doing in the humanity of this parable, in the prayers of this Pharisee and this tax collector. What God is doing in the world, God is doing in us. In the prayers we pray, and in the life of Christ that we live in and for
3: the world God loves.